Welcome to the Living In Podcast, a show that helps successful real estate teams accelerate their growth and impact. Livian, love how you live in all aspects of life. All right, so I'm joined with Nate Dickey. And Nate, for um, anyone who doesn't know who you are, um, what would you, uh, how would you describe yourself? Uh, I am um, a leader. Uh, I lead the New England region. I have um, Market Center 463 in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. There's about 750 agents. I lead that. Um, I'm a father, uh, husband, friend. I don't know. I'll, 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 yeah. I'm checking all those boxes right now. <laughs> um, so you said that you you lead the New England region as a regional director. As a regional director, what does that entail? What's that? What is that job itself? Uh, our job is to help the OPs and team leaders uh, build an environment that the agents want to stay in. Help them uh, hit their growth goals uh, as a market center, and achieve Keller Williams' goal uh, to continue to be the number one dominant. Um, real estate company in the world. So does that mean that you work with agents directly, like in a one-on-one capacity, or what does that leadership actually we, look like? We do some of that, but ideally we want to work with the OPs and team leaders um, to help them work with the agents. But we do we do work with the agents as well, but we want to we want to do that through the leadership if we can. Gotcha. We so can. your goal then is really growing that, that region through other leaders. Yes. Um, what, what's had to change for you? So you're really a leader leading other leaders. Yes. How much have you had to involve or what's had to evolve um, in order for you to lead other leaders? Uh, in that capacity, I think a lot because um, I've been an OP in the region for like 18 years. So okay. to switch into that that role, um, it's it's the first actual job I had working for somebody else okay. in, in a while. So that's a, been a change for me. Um, so I've got a lot more accountability. And then... Uh, to try to get better at accountability and be better at accountability for the leaders is is a is a new sort of challenge. And then um, I do this with, with uh, my partner Matt Erdman uh, in the region, so it's not just me doing it. Um, and we've got great staff and support and everything. But it's a uh, that that's probably the biggest nuance. And I've been traveling and with all these OPs. A lot of the these are the original OPs that own these market centers, so I've been like the, their buddy and colleague okay. and friend. Um, through this, you know, 17, 18 years, yeah. and now I'm leading them. So there's a little bit of a change there too. How do you make that transition? Uh, I think just have integrity and um, treat them with respect. And you know, I I think we have their trust at this point, and I think we had it before. And, yeah. and um, you know, we're both Matt and I lead pretty successful market centers, so I think that helps. Yeah, so we're not we're not steering them down a, a bad road, and. Um, you know, I think he, hear them when they talk to us, uh, when they have an issue, try quickly to resolve it and try to bring as much value as we can to their day to day. It's interesting to hear you say that accountability is something you've had to get better at, like as the both up and down version of accountability. Um, because from a from a positional leadership standpoint, I mean, you've obviously evolved and, and achieved quite a bit within the company to be in this regional director role. Um, what was the gap that you had to fill leadership wise, or sorry, accountability wise, as you continued to evolve into this role? So I had to build in consistency. Okay. Uh, so that I could do it. Okay. So I had to put, and I'm consistent with a lot of things that I do, but you know, people need to be led in different ways, and at at a certain point, there are people that really need the accountability and want it, and if you don't give it to them, they feel left out, 
and then there are people that don't want it, mm -hmm. but they probably need it as well. So yeah. it's coming up with figuring out how everybody wants to be led and um, how they want to be held accountable. And then for myself, just building it in as a system so that I could follow the system and, and make it, you know, sort of idiot proof. Like I, it takes a lot of people every day to kind of put me in the direction that I'm supposed to go in. So okay. it, has to, it has to be built, you know, into my calendar. I think accountability becomes one of the areas, especially when you see real estate agents go into the team building and, and team leadership phase, accountability oftentimes is lacking or it's, it's punitive accountability, uh, which obviously both of those two extremes cause retention issues, production issues. Um, how, do you, how do you tactically or, or tangibly build consistency for accountability in? I think you put it in your calendar first. Okay. And then you have to take a little bit of time and notes around what you're going to talk about. And the questions, in my mind, um, you, you have the same questions every week. Okay. And then when you're hitting those, those questions are rel related to a goal. Yep. And once you're hitting that goal, you earn the right to get off of those questions and have different conversations. But it has to start with what your goal was, well, six recruits last week did you yeah. get it yeah cool great let's talk about what else is going on you know tell me about something else in the business that you're struggling with but if you have to hit the key metrics have to be the focus of the conversation does that make sense yeah, yeah. absolutely and, and so so you said that then how they want to be held accountable how do you how does the how does another leader in that position or in someone who's emerging into a leadership position how do they determine how someone wants to be held accountable I don't know. That's a good question. Um, I think that in in that um, there are people that, that need the the more uh, I don't want to say firm accountability because that's not really what it is, but uh, very task. Mm -hmm. It has to be like for me. I needed to be dumbed down to like the, the okay. task. So for me, it's if I'm hitting the task and I know the task is going to get if I achieve it at a high. If I do the task, I'm going to get to hit my goal at a high level. So if I want to build, I want to find out if someone needs that. Or they need to see the bigger picture and they need to be held to sort of the end of like, what's, this is what's going to happen. You need to figure out how to get here. Or do, you, do we need to break it all down and, and really have a, 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 a sort of a, a more task, more to goal? Yeah. There are people that will work really well with a 135. And then when they transfer the 135 to a 411, which is all, all the yeah. Keller Williams terminology yeah. we'll throw out, um, they struggle with that. Okay. But they can run off the 135 and they can hit their goals fine. But it's that the addition to the, you know, switching it over to a four one one. Sometimes they struggle with that piece of it. So it's figuring out which is the best for everybody. You know? Am I am I fair in hearing this or accurate in hearing it this way? It's like some people need almost like vision and future based accountability, where they deal more in the abstract big picture, and some need to be really tangible and activity based. Yeah, and I would say it's almost more reason. Okay. Like you need yeah. to reason it out. Like I'm, if I'm doing that, why? Yeah. And really. Start. We always start with the end in mind, but break it down even more granularly. Mm -hmm. You know, that's how I like to do things when I'm trying to hit a goal. I want to. I want to take it back to the thing that. Okay, I know if I'm if it's a team leader that you're holding accountable. Yeah. We know that a certain amount of appointments will yield a certain result. So we want to. We want to get those appointments. So mm -hmm. that's the thing we're going to focus on. And once yeah. you achieve that, now we get to work on closing. You know, how's your closing ratio? And once you're closing them. Then we get to work on whatever the next thing is, but yeah. you have to start with that one thing. You have to hit that, and and then you can sort of diagnose the skill or the lack of skill or whatever yeah. it is. 
moving and, forward. And then in that same in that same example, then some people probably need to be reminded that the appointments that you have on a with a recruit are to better people's lives, help them yeah. you know change their business trajectory. The more qualitative or the more quantitative and qualitative like emotion component of it. Yeah, well, I think that goes back to the different way people want to be lived. Yeah. Like some people are motivated by the end result and hitting their goal, and you don't really need to do a lot of yeah, accountability with them. They're going to hit yeah. it because they're getting the, the satisfaction of hitting the goal. Yeah. Other people, you need to go to the task. And so I'm going to hold them to what they need to be held accountable How do you to. figure that out? It's talk to them. Okay. Hear them talk. Look at their history of success. Look at what they've done. Yeah. Um, the team leader in my market center we get to have business conversations about the business in the future all the time because he always hits his goal. His activities. So and his activity results. goal yeah. gets hit so that we get to have a, how do you do this week, this. We talk about whatever struggle he's having. Mm -hmm. um, if he is, we talk about struggles other people are having. We talk about some future pacing. But we have to earn the right to get there. Like if, we were, if he wasn't there, we would be talking about, okay, what are you doing to get the appointment? Where, yeah. you know, where are you on that journey? So I think with OPs and... Um, the OPs and team leaders, it's the same thing. Like, where are you? What's yeah. what are we trying to fix here? What's the what's the issue? It's interesting. I'm I'm staying on this topic because I think that accountability and is such an interesting topic that that there's a lot of nuance to it. And there's there's what you hear from the thirty thousand foot view on stage oftentimes about you know you just have to hold people accountable, but holding people accountable is not tactical and. And you can't go implement it until you understand almost the, the yin and the yang of, of what that actually looks like at yeah. ground level. I mean, and I would say punitive, you, you said uh, punitive accountability yeah. before, like that, um, that's tough. Yeah. You know, because that's, then you're using the stick and that's not, that's not really the way that I yeah. think it should work. I mean, we're leading people that have invested their lives into these businesses that they've built and you know, it's our job to kind of help guide them and we're the conduit from international to them and, you know, our jobs to, to be there to support them. Yeah. So we really work for them, you know. So in working for them, how do we help them achieve their goals? So I think, and I, and I think with accountability, for me, if I'm not doing it, I'm not going to ask someone else to do it. Okay. So, you know, and, and I, str I, will, I struggle going from the 135 to the 411. Yeah. Um, and a lot of times my 411 will look eerily similar okay. like for Every the whole week. month. Yeah. Um, or the same, the one big goal shows up in all the categories kind of. Yeah. You know, well, if I do that, it's going to get me here. And if I do this thing over here, it's going to get me there too. And if I do this, so it almost carries it through. Um, but I, I, and I see the value in it, but I do struggle with that, that piece working off of, like I just drafted the 135, the first draft at our 135 for the market center, for okay. my market center for next year. And we're going to like flush it out over the next probably week to two weeks mm -hmm. and then really build strategies, like really focus on strategies yeah. around it. And then we'll break that down to the four one ones and everything. But, you know, I mean, the, the nuance component, though, of that one through five is there's a there's an element of hypothesis to it. Right. Where you're yeah. you're theorizing that if you do these activities or this implement this strategy and implement being the key word. Right. Right. Um, that it will get you that result. Yeah, and the imp the implementation is hard. Yeah, and I think um, yeah, it's it, it's it's a it's a great tool. Um, so holding people accountable is is the job with that you get to do with it. And if if that's done correctly and you spend the, the right amount of time, and I don't think I don't think you can do that in a day. I think that takes. Yeah. I think you got to draft it and you got to look at it. You got to redraft it. 
Uh, I'm going to spend uh, a couple days locked away with my leadership at the executive level uh, in my market center, and we'll we'll hammer it out and really, really give it like body, you know. Yeah. And then we'll take it and sell the vision to the rest of the staff and yeah. kind of move forward. But yeah. when you say sell the vision, how often do you have to sell that vision? All the time. What does that mean? Uh, I think you you have to tell everybody where you like. Um, I just went to a swim with the mission. Uh, I don't know if you ever heard no, of that. Huh. It's uh, Marines that. Uh, Navy SEALs and stuff that get okay. together to swim to raise money for uh, wounded vets and stuff like that. Yeah. It's an incredible charity. Anyways, um, the uh, the big thing that, that they talk about is whatever mission they're on or wherever they're going, they all have to be really clear on the common goal. And I think that's one of the most important things in any business is to know where it's going because there are people that need to know why. Mm-hmm. Um, there are people that are just going to go because you tell <laughs> them to go. Yeah. But I think a lot of people need to know why and understand why you're doing what you're doing and where, how you're trying to get to where you're going. So I think you have to sell it often. And I think people forget. And I think sometimes you forget. You know? Oh, absolutely. And you can get distracted and go down a road. You know, yeah. And you're like, well, I'm over here doing this now. Does it relate to the goal at all? Yeah. No, but it seems like a good idea. Well, you should stop that. You know? <laughs> yeah. Or maybe we should revisit what we were doing and decide if that's a, an avenue we want to take. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think, I, I think that's just... Right now, with our industry, the, the way it's shifting and all the new things are happening, we have expansion teams yeah. and discount brokers and picket, you know, internet yeah. companies and, you know, all these different things. It's really easy to get like shiny object syndrome and be like, oh, I got to go do that because I got to fight yeah. this guy or I got to go do that because I got to protect us from that. Well, if you can stick to your core value and you spend, you know, a lot of time mapping out where you think you're going to go and what you need to do. It's a lot easier to do those things and you don't get yeah. burned out. So I think we have to, so the long answer to that is I think we have to communicate it as much as we can. Um, I think it should be posted everywhere and no matter how much we communicate it, I always feel like we need to communicate it more. Is that a is that an everyday occurrence for you or do you do you bake that into your calendar as well like you I, do with Calvo? I don't. I probably should. Yeah. Um, I don't and I do consciously try to let everyone know what we're trying to accomplish yeah. in a lot of conversations daily. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it's just one person, but you know, we have 740 agents at our company and, and to try to get them to understand why we do the things we do. And sometimes you, you can do it with some of the top people, you can grab them or, you know, if you've got, if I've got time with an agent and there, we can talk, I usually try to, you know, work that in. Cause I work, I do feel like I work for them. Like my job is to provide, you know, the best environment possible for them to come in and work and achieve whatever goal they have, whether it be to sell two houses a year or 200. Like, I, I want to provide that environment for them. I think the, you know, tactically one of the best examples of, of the, like, getting people enrolled around a common mission was, you know, the way Gary rolled out labs. I mean, you couldn't go anywhere in this company for, you know, three years without every conversation coming back to labs. Right. right? There, was, there was no one who didn't understand the common mission as a company because of the example and, and model of, of, you know, telling the vision and retelling the vision and retelling it. You know, and Adam has um, been really focused on that right now from a Libyan standpoint. I think because of the direction of the industry where there's a lot of uncertainty and confusion. Are you seeing that in the marketplace? Um, I don't, with owners, yeah, with agents, not so much. Okay. Are I mean, you, some of the top, the top agents, I would say, that are really tuned in, um, and I, I, you know, I think they will say things like, where are we going? What's happening now? Yeah. Do, we, do we know what we're doing now? We don't have a goal anymore. 
Um, and I think that's a, a bit of an issue. The, but I, I feel like um, the masses right now aren't aren't there. But yeah. certainly, I think leadership could use a, a clarity, clear vision. Yeah, yeah, would be great. What What about the confusion or the uncertainty on the side of? Um, markets or the direction where agents feel like their future is uncertain based on macroeconomics, you know, recession, those kind of things? Um, so I, I don't think a lot of people are scared. <clears throat> New England, I don't think a lot of people are scared yet. Okay. Um, we're dealing with a 17-year housing deficit. Okay. So, and we, in New England, probably more than a lot of the rest of the country, we just don't have institutional builders. Yeah. And we never did. Okay. So we have such a deficit in housing that we could lose 70% of our buyers and still okay. probably not have and enough still, houses. Yeah. So I, and, and I don't see that. There's no way to correct that, you know? Yeah. Um, so I don't think a lot of people are freaking out too much. Um, there are people that are concerned about rates, but it's our job to educate them and, you know, play the slides that Gary did today and, and try to run through as many of those as we can and, and make sure that we're teaching market and teaching absorption and let everybody know that it's, you know, it's the it's the the closed sales price, yeah. median sales price that determines whether we're going down or not, not yeah. what's happening in the future. That's right. So just let's watch that. Yeah. And just I, I think as a leader, we have to bring the calm. Yeah. And the the coaching around that the calm. You know. You know, it's interesting when you when you look at what you've done in the organization. Uh, you didn't mention um, owning and operating a real estate team. How come? Um. I, it was, I wanted to be a professional OP. Okay. Um, so when I, I made a decision, actually with Adam, uh, I was, um, he was kind of doing the thing that he does where he sort of coaches you for, you didn't, I didn't You think ask, you're having a conversation. Yeah, I didn't really He's ask him to you. do yeah. it, but uh -huh. he was coaching me a little bit. We were at the Hilton. It was, it was probably, um, it was, he had just joined Keller Williams, I think, and we were just hanging okay. out. And uh, he was, um, just talking about well, what, what's the, what do you like doing? And I, I like being an OP. I enjoy it. Um, and I've got the uh, the role set up so that it, it's pretty lucrative. I own the majority of the market center, um, so it it works, you know. Yeah. And I um, I don't know. I have I have sort of an informal group of agents that I will send deals to. Okay. So I do still work a database and I still do those things, but I wasn't set up to. I never it never really. Excited me. I did it for a long time. I had a team. Okay. Um, but back when I was selling, you know, I, I think at the company I was at, I was the number three person in a company of 60 people, and I, yeah. I was doing that at like 17 million. So that was, you know, 19 years ago or something. Was so, 17 million 19 years ago? It was a lot. Of, it was a lot. Money. That's it's right. nothing now. That's right. I mean, you got to think at that time, I think. I think I heard someone say the other day, so I don't know if this is accurate or not, but like 55 million was kind of the top agent within um, the company. Yeah, it would, and I, did, I was doing it with an assistant, and we were in an average sale price in the higher twos to three, okay. I think. And, you know, I was selling a lot of multifamilies, and, and I was working a lot, and I, but I was young, and it was fine. And when I went into leadership, I really wanted to embrace that. And, uh, I mean, Keller Williams has, has been an incredible experience. It's the, it was, I had a giant ego when I started the company. Okay. And I, I started it, and it was the most humbling experience of my life. Being an OP? Being an OP. Yeah. Um, in what way? Uh, well, I, you know, I, I started, I had 30 people committed. They were like, oh, you should open a company. We'll join you. And I was like, oh, great, I'll do it. And then, you know, I was, I think I was 20, I might have been 23 or 24 uh, when I did it. And um, 
like no one showed up. So that was, wow. you know, we had like 11 people show up out of the 30. And it was, it, it was you were cool. You OP at 24? Uh, I think, it, yeah, I think I was 24 turning 25. Wow. When I opened. Yeah. Okay. And I never would have qualified today's standards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but I did then. I, I had been an investor. I started investing in real estate when I was 19. Okay. So I was able to sell a couple buildings and be able to fund the Keller Williams um, which but like, cool. what made you want to get into leadership at 24, or what, what made anyone willing to follow you at 24? I was not followable at 24. Um, I, I don't know. I was, I was, um, I was pretty good at what I did. Okay. Um, and selling real estate. Selling, selling real estate. I owned investment property. Uh, I was, I guess, I was older for my age. I don't yeah. know. But uh, you know, and clearly not enough people followed me. It took me a little while <laughs> to get it off the ground and uh, get going. Um, but I, I, uh, I went to work right out of high school. Okay. Um, and I was working while I was in high school. Um, so I think, you know, I had a lot of real world experience by the time I was, you know, in my, my early 20s, you know. So um, I don't know, maybe it was that. How, so then you got into investing at 19, and investing wasn't popular on TikTok like it is today, right? So yes, there was no TikTok how? then. Um, <laughs> how, get in, how did you get into that? Uh, that's a family thing. My my uh, father and grandfather both uh, owned a lot of real estate, and um, not a lot, but they had they had real yeah. estate, they had some real estate. And one thing they told me was never to pay rent. They okay. were like, just never pay rent on where you live. And I was like, okay. Um, so I I was um, like flipping used cars and doing all you know selling all kinds yeah. of stuff to you know, um, and uh, I put together enough money to to buy a house with a buddy of mine, and I was nineteen, and we had a this house on a busy road and we would sell like used cars off the front lawn and it was it was great we had a, it was it was cool because you know I had just graduated high school and um, you know I had a lot of friends that were still in the high school and we owned this house down the street so it was it was we had a good time it was, yeah it was a good, I'm sure I'm sure you did um, what what mistake do agents make when it comes to investing they they don't get started doing it or they come up with a reason why they're not ready to do it today okay um, I think you know I think the biggest mistake that people in general make when it comes to investing in real estate, and it, it's not just real estate, it's meeting with a financial planner yeah. or what, you know, any of those things is they don't just do it. You know, I mean, it's really like it's investing in real estate is not rocket science. Like, no. It is not hard to do. Like <laughs> no. I've built a, a pretty big portfolio um, and, and I stopped for a period of time when okay. I was growing the market center because all my money was going into that. Yeah. But it's not super complicated. It's just math, um, and if you you know, and, and I think people just find reasons not to do it, and it's it's too bad because it really is a it's a great way to build wealth. It's not that hard, um, and I I feel like we fall down as realtors there too. We don't yeah. teach it enough to people to make it easy. Um, you know, as a leader, I think it's your job to to teach those things. Like we teach, we bring in investing classes. We teach investing. Yeah. We encourage people to invest. What I wonder is, do we talk about the benefits of investing too much? I'm just like, as I hear you say it's not hard, I'm like, you know, questioning myself of what what are the stories that we tell ourselves about what's hard about real estate investing? And the only thing that I wonder is, do we never do we never talk about the the risks and how they're actually really low, and almost all of them are salvageable and are. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. You, I think, I think we fail at school. Like, like I think, <laughs> yeah. like I think, I think we don't teach any money, anything yeah. in school, really. And I think, 
like it, and that's kind of scary. And then I think, yeah, we probably don't talk about the benefits of owning. Um, I don't think it's known by enough people that, you know, one job is going to maybe get you an okay retirement when you're yeah. older. Maybe, probably not. Like you probably need to, you need so to do other more, yeah. things to, to get yourself, mm -hmm. you know, everything you want or to live it up at a good quality of life when you're older. And I think, I think we don't, we don't do a good enough job. Is that fear though that holds people back from taking action on investing? I think it's fear of not knowing how easy it is maybe. Okay. So, so again, it's a, it's, I think it's our job as leaders to educate them all the time. Like we, I bring in a financial planner all the time. Like I don't care if you invest in real estate or yeah. you invest in stock market or whatever, but do something. Invest in, in like, something. Like buy some insurance, yeah. like get, you know. <laughs> yeah. Like there's like you know it's it's sad when we meet a, a real estate agent um, that's you know nearing the end of their career yeah. or should have already ended their career but they can't mm -hmm. you know and I and I I don't want that to happen to the people that come into my organization so we teach it a lot we teach investing a lot like I've invested in buildings with people um, I've set up groups for people that have a few thousand bucks so that they can get into something yeah. just to learn that it's not that hard and then they'll go buy something else. What what is uh, when you think back to like the, all of the investments that you've done real estate wise? What has been hard? Um, what has been hard? Lately, it's been the time to go look at them. Okay, it's the time, and I'm so I'm at that next piece of like I want another piece of leverage so that I can have a, a deal guy. Yeah, that's go or girl that's going out looking for for investments. I think that's kind of my next piece of leverage with my role at the region and my role in the market center. It's uh, it's tough. Like I, I look at real estate every day. Like every morning. Okay. I, like even here, we're we're at this convention, and tell I tell me about that habit. You look at real estate every morning. Every morning, yeah. So my assistant pulls. I she has the categories of things that I want to buy that she pulls, and she sends them to me. So I got um, four texts today. Okay. So while I'm doing whatever, I can pull them up, and then I if the, there's things that I want to see more of, um, I'll text her the MLS number or text her the the, the property. Um, I had someone go look at something for me today yeah. um, that we probably will put an offering on. Okay. So, I mean, I think you have to do that every day. So you have a thesis for what you believe a good investment is then um, or the product that you're looking for. You've got a match. You've already defined what it is that you want. Um, and so in your case, what what are those parameters of what matches what you like? I, I like... I like all real estate investments, okay. Um, okay. except Airbnb. I just and it's just got it, and it could be just because I'm I've I don't know enough about yeah. Airbnb, and I feel like it's a lot of work. Um, I buy uh, managed assets, okay. So something where that's in an area where a management company can manage it. So um, so it doesn't have to have a manager today, just to manage. It's got to be where one of the management companies. I I own a management company as okay. well. It's got to be in an area where that or another management company exists that can handle it. Because I don't want to manage it. Yeah. Um, so as a like that's the thing I should have done earlier. I should have handed management off. Okay. Way earlier than I did. So how is owning the company handing it off? I have a great general manager who's okay. amazing that runs the company. Okay. And I have an accountability with call a call with him once a week. Okay. Awesome. Um, that that's that's good insight. So um, anything that you can manage meets your meets your box or what, no? I, or what do you like? So I like. Um, right now, and I think my investing tastes have had, kind of evolves. I like um, I like single families because they're just right now because I'm trying to max out the number of 30-year fixed mortgages okay. I can get, and I've got like one left, and then I'm maxed out, and I have yeah. to go to commercial financing. Um, and then I like 
properties that are too um, big for a small investor and then too small for a big investor. Okay. Usually the cap rates are really strong. Maybe so like, like a strip mall or something? Uh, or? It's usually like 10 units or okay. less. 10 okay. units, ten, between five and 10 units in New Hampshire where I live. Okay. Um, or Maine or, you know, that, that's like a really good spot. You know, because you can't get, you lose all the regular residential investors at that point because yeah. they, they don't have the money um, for the 25% down. So you pick up a different group of, uh, you're competing with a different group mm -hmm. and then you miss the big guys because they're, they're too small, you know? Yeah, so, the so really, cost would be too high, yeah. Yeah, and, and usually it's, that's kind of, a, that's a misconception. It's, oh, okay. usually, it's usually not. It's actually usually a much higher, you get a much higher cap on those. Okay. But w what they like, what a lot of the big institutional guys like to do is they like a couple hundred units in a spot. Yeah. Where they can hire one person to just handle it. Yeah. Um, but you can hire a management company for reasonable money, buy you know buildings that'll return you know cash on cash at like nine percent. Okay. Or ten percent even, or twelve. You know, and in that sort of sweet spot. So that's that's kind of my happy place right now. Um, but I do like. I've got a bunch of single families. I've got. I just bought an office condo a week ago. Um, because it fits with some other stuff I own. Um, I've bought a couple properties out of Ego, which was, <laughs> they were just really cool and I wanted them. Um, I, do do you, less, I do less. Do you still own them? Uh, I just sold one and actually okay. it turned out to be, I bought it with, a, with an agent partner of mine um, that we, we bought it completely out of Ego and we were able to sell it and like double our money on it wow. because someone else had a bigger ego, which worked out, <laughs> which, is which, awesome. which worked out great. And I would not recommend that anyone do that. What does an ego purchase look like so that someone avoids it? <laughs> it was, it's a really cool building in a really great spot okay. that made almost no money. I mean, it carried itself. It was clean. It was a nice building. It was kind of an iconic little spot. And there was only a few like it, like in this area that you could own. And they never came up for sale. Okay. So we ended up getting one on really great terms. And, um, you know, a couple years later, fast forward, I think, it was, I think we only owned it four years, maybe five years, the, um, someone else wanted it more. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that worked out for us. And we liked it. And, you know, it was a great building when we owned it. And it's even better that someone paid us a lot of money for it. Do you have a minimum return that you um, will look, like will or won't look at something? So the return depends on the terms. So okay. in most cases, uh, you know, you're a regular deal, you're putting 25% down or whatever. And, and you're, um, you know, I, I'd like to see anywhere from seven to 8% to seven to 12% on that. And I'm okay. I'm okay. Um, Cause that's I'm, when you initially compute the numbers, right? Because it's just cash on cash. Okay. So I don't go deeper than that. You're not factoring tax, tax no. mitigation, appreciation, anything into that? No. I th I th the way I look at that is it's all gravy. Unless okay. it's a bigger building where I can do cost seg. On yeah. it. If I can do cost seg, then that's, that's a little different too because yeah. that front loads a lot of depreciation. Um, I would also say that in that, uh, if, if, to go back to the term piece, terms make it easier to buy stuff at a low return. Because you're a real estate agent, a lot of times you can get into deals with little or no money. Yeah. And if I'm doing something with little to no money in, I can, I'm happier with a whatever return. Like it, as long as it's returning me in the positive. Cash on cash and, is high. Yeah, well, it's because it's almost, because it's almost so whatever it is, is a positive. That's right. You know? so, That's right. So if I can get in some of those deals or I have, a, I have an owner finance deal and the gentleman didn't want to pay. Uh, he's he's trying to minimize his capital gain, so okay. he's doing an installment sale. So he gave me a 40-year AM mortgage wow. on a big commercial building, um, which is great, and it's locked-in rate and everything. So it's a it's a 
dream deal. It doesn't make yeah. a ton of cash flow, yeah. but relative to the amount of money I put in, it's a tremendous deal. And so, and you get all of the additional ancillary benefits that right. come with it, and the appreciation and everything yeah. else. And I make I, I don't make a lot of money on it mm -hmm. relative to what the building is, but it, but it, does your but your my assumption is that your net worth is what changes. Correct. Even though your cash flow doesn't exactly change. cash flow goes up, it just doesn't yeah. go up a ton, you know. So I think depending on the deal, like you can buy anything if the terms are right. So yeah. like that's sort of the way I look at that. The Gary, I think Gary said that at an, at an event. Yeah, he did. You give me the price, and and um, you know, you name like I'll take the price, and you name the terms, or yeah. you name your price, I get the terms. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I mean, I I very much operate on that, um, but I you know I have um, I I'm I'm buying. Also, very much cash flow, but I look yeah. at cash on cash. I don't look at the extra stuff. Like I, I have some friends that'll buy, just betting on appreciation. I don't think that's the best yeah. idea. I have friends that'll. <laughs> yeah. I have friends that buy because they want to get the write-offs, and they'll buy negatives. I don't do that. Like I don't yeah. understand that. Crypto seems like it'd be a better bet than yeah. <laughs> doing yeah. that if that's yeah. the game you're financially going to play on yeah. an investing side. And I have I have flipped friends that do flips. I am not a flipper. I love the idea of it. I would love to put money behind it. If yeah. anyone listens that has a flip, reach out to me. I'll help fund it maybe, but like I'm not really into, like I don't want to do it myself. It's management. Uh, I don't have, the, yeah, it's management. I don't have the crew or the time um, for it. If you were, um, as we kind of wrap up, if you were going to start over in the business, if you were 24 year old uh, or, or even I guess 19 year old, maybe Dickie, what, what would you do differently than um, knowing what you know now? Yeah, so two things. I would buy real estate at least a property every six months. Okay. Like just I would buy something every six months. I would figure out how to do it. Even if it's a good deal or not, just to get in that. No, habit, I would make. Like, I would make sure it was. Make, a, I would yeah. make sure it was a good deal. But you know, buy some. I would. I would. It doesn't have to be the best deal on the planet, right? Right. I think if you wait, like, uh, you know, I have another friend that's an investor, and he he waits for like the best deal ever, and in the time it takes him to find this yeah. diamond, I've bought three or four properties yeah. that are all cash flowing, and you know, so so there's a. It's great to find those deals and they will come. If you look at real estate every day, mm -hmm. they will show up in your life. So I would say that. And then I would say I would have, as, as an agent, I would have committed to a, a CRM mm. like I would have been all in. Okay. And I never was. Like I was, I, I followed up, kind of. Yeah. You know, I had a database, kind of. It was mostly <laughs> of the clients that I liked. Yeah. You know, so I, I did a lot of that wrong. But if you, if I was to do it again, at that at that time it was top producer. That was like the thing you yeah. could use top producer or top producer, and it was clunky and hard to use. Yeah. And but I should have learned it cold, and forced myself to learn it cold. And if I had done that, I think that would have changed. It would have been a game changer. And I tell agents that all the time now. Well, what would you do if you were starting again? I said, well, I'd go through your phone, and I would make sure that every single person was in the CRM. I don't. You pick one. I don't care what yeah. one it is. Just find one. None of them are perfect. None of them are going to be. They're, they're never. Going to be they're perfect. never going to be perfect. Yeah. So find one, commit to that one, go get married, and just you know focus on that CRM. Feed yeah. it, feed it, feed it, and then you'll be fine. Because every year after you're in the business for you know every year you'll it'll get progressively easier. So I would I would do that. Those were the two things that I would do differently, and I would do a real estate thing every day. Like I would look at whatever you're selling or your market every day. Um, even on my day off, I look at it okay. when I'm not working and I'll take a, but I'm not spending hours on it. Yeah. I'll look quick and be like, Oh, okay, that, that came on today. Great. But I'm, I'm focused on the markets that I'm in. 
So then if you were giving, I guess, agent forward advice, kind of as a last question, um, is that the exact same advice that you give uh, someone thinking about the next decade of their career? Uh, yeah, I would tell you, I bet most, because most people aren't there. Most people aren't running a CRM. They're not, you know, and even now at the company, we want them to use, we'd love for it to be command. Yeah. If you don't have one, you have no excuse not to use command. So use command. Get in. Get all in. Learn it. You know, know it cold. Um, I hate command. Okay, fine, whatever. Go to a different one. You know, pick, yeah. you just but pick something and learn it cold. Um, and then I would say do something real estate related every day. I would say every single day you need to, you need to study your market. You need to know what you're selling. You need to know what's on the market, what's coming on the market. I should be able to ask every agent in my company, hey, what's the best deal you've seen today? Yeah. And they should be able to say, oh, it's this house. It's, it just came on an hour ago. We should go look at it right now. Like you should know that in your head. Like you should know the best deal in the market. You should know the biggest sale in the market. If you're dealing with investors, which is way more fun in a lot of cases, if you can build investor clients, yeah. um, you know, you need to know those things. You need to know cap rates. You, you know, but I think I think doing something real estate related, if you're selling luxury homes, you need to know the luxury market cold. Like that house is worth this, but it sold for a much higher number because of a family situation or because, of, you know, you need to know all those things that makes you a better agent. I think if, if you don't do something every day real estate related, you know, I think that's, that's it. And, um, and I wouldn't take yourself too seriously. I think we got a lot of people in this industry that take themselves way too seriously. And um, that's a pet peeve of mine. I like to bounce on those nerves of those people when I see them. You know, I kind of yeah. like tweak them a little. How much, I'm guessing that you had that, you said you uh, had a little bit of ego at, at 24. Was that, did, did that show up in you at all? Absolutely, yeah. What, how did you, how did you, for those that are, for those that might be similar, how did you let go of that? Uh, I almost went broke. Like I, I um, so I had buildings, I invested everything I had in Keller Williams. Like I was all in. And I was like, this is going to be great. I'm going to knock it out of the park. It's going to be easy. You know, and I, yeah. I had had a lot of success at other things I've done. And, and it was none of those things. <laughs> like, yeah. It was extremely yeah. hard. Um, we were recruiting to a new model uh, in a market where there wasn't any Keller Williams anywhere. It was like, it was hard work. And um, it took us a few years. And we, we also uh, were the, one of the first offices to run it. Like we run, run my office like an expansion team. Okay. So I run a hub and spoke model. Um, we've got ten locations that run through the hub. Okay. Um, but when we started doing that, that wasn't really allowed. So I mean, that was a, we 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 had we had to fight for that too. And I, you know, I first few years, I I remember calling um, Dottie Bo, who owned the Portland Market Center. Because I was going to give it to her. I was going to go back to being an yeah. agent. I was like, I'm going to go back to being an agent. I was making tons of money. It was fun. This is not fun. I have to deal with everybody else's problems and mine. You know, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. And uh, she didn't answer the phone. And uh, she called me like a day later. And I had a really good self-talk with myself okay. in my car to be like, what am I doing? I mean, I can do this. Like, I got this. I'm going to kick this up the hill. But that was a very humbling experience because I, I, you know, I, you know, business is not easy. It's hard. Um, and I think, you know, I think I needed that to give me that, like, wake-up call. But, I, th you know, I think I'm better for it. 
I mean, I, everyone has a little bit of an ego. I like to think mine's in check now, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah. but I, I don't, you know, I, I think that that's, um, yeah, I don't know. Did that answer that question? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I hear nothing humbles better than, than failure. Yeah, I mean, I remember, we, you know, we were spending, we, we, we never lost money as a market center in an, like annually, yeah. but we didn't, we weren't making real money and I was making a lot of money selling yeah. before I yeah. did this and I had to pretty much stop selling and recruit and try to grow and it was just a it was a really cool uh humbling cool it wasn't cool it was a really humbling experience well you failed your even if you didn't fail you failed your own expectations of yourself oh 100 percent. yeah 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 and then a few years later i met adam and he was killing it he hadn't (laughs) he hadn't been like uh this story i told you before we got on air where he you know he he wasn't adam yet but he was you know he he was building who he is today and uh so he gave me a little bit of advice outside outside the Hilton, and I was like, "Oh man, he like motivated me in kind of a." Back then, it would have been him that was snarky and yeah, his kind yeah, of yeah. snarky way, um, and uh, it was it's good. But I think you know I think that we have an amazing opportunity in this industry to, especially in leadership, to change a lot of lives. The agents have the ability to change someone's life for the better, um, and they have the ability to get paid so much money. And make a great life um, without the barrier of entry in this industry is so low. <laughs> yeah. Like you can come in with a little bit of drive and a little bit of just just commitment to what you're doing. And you can build an amazing life and business and change a bunch of people's lives and help a bunch of people. And, and I think that, that we work in the best industry that there is. And you know, I hope that uh, I hope this helps somebody out there in podcast land today and maybe uh 